This is uh, the third lesson of the four stages of Christian growth, and uh, we've called this one the little child stage. When you study the New Testament, you'll find that there are four stages that the Apostle Paul and the uh, other Apostles, John, they talk about. And the first one being baby, being a babe in Christ. The second one being a little child. That's what we're going to talk about today. The third one being uh, a young man or a young woman in the faith. And the fourth and final stage of Christianity is a, a man, excuse me, a father or mother of the faith. Um, we always hear about fathers of the faith. Dr. Barclay is my father in the faith. Before that, Pastor Vaughn was my father in the faith. And honestly, it's the will of God for all of us to strive for and obtain to a place where we become a father or a mother in the faith to more than one person, probably. Um, so we're going to stop off here and look at the little child stage. Let's jump into our lesson. Every living thing grows. Praise God for that. That's what makes it alive. If you're not growing, you're dead. Plants grow or they're dead. And the, all, the crazy thing about living organisms is it doesn't matter what they are, you can try to kill them and they have this fight to want to live and grow. I've got this Virginia creeper in the backyard that I spent the first three months of our house time living there chopping it down and hacking at it. And now all of a sudden there's just part of a vine root that sticks up out of the ground. That thing will grow new vines every third week like crazy. I have to run over at the lawnmower. I think you should be dead, but even that thing wants to keep growing. If you've ever hunted, you shoot an animal. It wants to keep living. It wants to keep going. It's, it's animal instinct. It's the life that God put in everything. Unfortunately, we don't find it in Christians too much. <laughs> we don't want to keep growing. We, we want to get to some place and take our ease. Now, maybe not us, but generally speaking. And unfortunately, because that's so easy, that's very popular in a lot of churches. And that's how you can grow a big church, is by not requiring people to grow. We, we expect us to grow. The Lord expects us to grow. So every living thing grows. Trees grow. Bugs grow. Animals grow. Christians are to be no exception. Just as a normal human being passes through several stages in physical and mental maturation. Now think about that. When you grow up, you go through physical and mental maturation so too will a normal Christian pass through similar stages as they develop and mature in Christ. Even mentally handicapped people, we often refer to them, not to put them down by any means, uh, but just as an example, even they, they their, their mental ability might be crippled or handicapped as a three or four year old, but their body continues to grow and even age. And you can even meet an 80 year old mentally handicapped man who's gray, his hair is falling out, he has gray and white beard, but he has an eight year old's mentality. So one part of him grew, but the other didn't. A healthy person, a healthy baby, grows both physically and mentally. We as Christians are to also grow and never stop growing. Below are several verses describing how Christians in the little child stage can be expected to act. Let us use these verses to judge ourselves. This will be another good lesson to look at. We're going to look at a lot of verses here to judge ourselves where we're at. Now this is not meant to be a condemning message, but just a teaching message. And I, I like punch lists. I like to know what's wrong and what's right. I want the seven points to make it something better and the ten things to look for uh, before it blows up. Because if there's one out of ten things on the list before it blows up, I'm going to fix that one thing because I don't want to blow up. What this also might help us realize is that maybe we're not as mature as we thought we were or maybe we're more mature than we thought we were. And we can look at these things and say, praise God, I don't have that working in my life. Praise God, I've got maybe five out of the seven things working in my life. Two of them are not working, so that gives me two things to work on. This is what a little child in, in Christ looks like. 
And, and mind you, you can be 70 years old and be a little child in Christ. You can be born again 25 years and still be a little child. We just don't want to stay there. So let's look at our first verse, Galatians 4.20 and 21, part B. He says, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Then he goes on to say, For I stand in doubt of you. Uh, margin of my Bible, and that's why I put it in here, it says, I am perplexed by you. That's the funny thing about little kids. They do little things. The kids, little children do things that make you go, what were you thinking? What, what, why did you think to put the fork in the socket? I don't know. <laughs> why did you put that bug in your nose? I don't know. Why, why did you put that there? I don't, little children do things that are perplexing because mature people know better than to do it. Likewise, little Christians, little children Christians, they do some of the goofiest stuff and the maturer, maybe not the maturest, but the mature ones go, what were they thinking? Like a Christian thinking it was okay to go clubbing. What were you thinking? Oh, we don't do that. We don't? No. Or like a little child comes home and they learn the dirtiest of all dirty words and they just drop the F-bomb. First grader. Hey, mom, blankety blank. What? What? What's, what is, I shouldn't use that word? No. That's, that's little children, and little children in Christ are the same way. They do, like the TV show, they do the darndest things. <laughs> Baby, little children in Christ, they do the darndest things, and they think they're okay, and they have to be taught. The Galatian church had lost their identity in Christ and had returned to Jewish laws and customs. That's why Paul said, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I want you to know for a surety the Galatians were born again and they were an established church, but Paul left as he had to do as an apostle. And after he left, other folks came in and began to affect the church. And in a sense, they lost their identity. They no longer looked like a church. They began to change shapes or change forms and they began to look more like Jews. And he said, I have to travail in birth again till Christ be formed in you. He said, you've lost your identity. You don't know who you are. And little children are that way. Little children, when they're raised in a home, they're taking on the identity of, of the McMichael home, or the Wilder home, or the Newman home, or the Vincent home. But if you were to take that child out at the age of five, six, seven, eight, put them in another home, they take on a new identity. But by about the time they're 20, 25, 26, they've pretty much established who they are. That's a young man. We've got to make sure that as Christians, we maintain our identity in Christ. And if you're one that can be easily morphed, or you play follow the leader, or you're easily chasing new things, that's one of the common themes you'll see with little children in this lesson. They easily leave what they know is right to chase shiny new things. They get bored easily. My, my little girl, it's a fun little parlor trick I'll show you sometime. She can be playing with anything. I pull the iPhone out. She stops. Her eyes light up. I lay it down, she'll crawl for it. It doesn't matter, she's licked it a thousand times. It's always new and awesome. She can be having the best thing ever over here, but she's easily pulled off course by this shiny little iPhone. <laughs> the Galatian church had lost their identity in Christ and had returned to Jewish laws and customs. Paul had to pray for them to regain their Christian lifestyle, witness, and foundation. From these verses, we see three things, and I've got a lot of numbers here, and they kind of build on each other. Little children are easily influenced by whatever they're around or whoever they're around. If you're a little child in Christ and you get around motorcycle riders, you'll become a motorcycle rider. 
if you're a little child in Christ and you get around evolutionists, you'll start to believe evolution. If you're a little child in Christ and you get around jugglers, you'll start juggling. If you're a little child in Christ and you get around Lutheran Christians, you'll start to adopt Lutheran faith. That's, that's one of the evidences or characteristics of a little child in Christ. They easily morph to whoever they're around because they just have no foundation of their own. They can't stand yet. Number two, little children lose their true identity very easily. Uh, that's why we have to get converts into the church, make disciples out of them, and grow them from baby stage to little child stage to young man stage. This is one of the truths we have to evaluate our, about ourselves. When I get around other believers, do I start to act like them? Or when I get around other believers, do I stay who I am in Christ? Uh, now, it's a good thing if you get around stronger believers and they pull you up. That's how it should be. But let's say we'll talk about lesser believers. And I don't mean that to belittle them, but maybe they're a little bit weaker in their faith, a little bit more carnal. If I get around them, do I become like them? If so, you're a little child. What you've got to be is the same Christian everywhere you go, strong and steadfast and, and foundational. That you can get around carnal Christians and you affect them, they don't affect you. You get around uh, carnal or lesser Christians or weaker Christians, and you pull them up. They don't pull you down. Point three, little children do things that make mature Christians shake their head and ask, what are they thinking? <laughs> Why are they wearing that? I would teach little children, Christians, dress like the world. They pierce themselves. They tattoo themselves. They do the mohawk thing. They do the gauge thing. They, they, they make the mature Christians go, what are you, what are you thinking? What has gotten into you? We, parents have always said that to their kids. What has gotten into you? I think that may come from, or the, the other expression, what, is, what possessed you to do that? Uh, a devil. A devil possessed me, I think, or carnality possessed me. Let's look at our next verse, Ephesians 4.14. Paul says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Notice it says that we be no more children. Well, prior to that, Paul talked about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, that they were given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. So one of the tools given to help us grow up are ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Without the fivefold ministry working in our lives, we cannot grow up. You are not designed to mature on your own. Many Christians are believing a lie and thinking they don't have to go to church, they don't have to feed on tapes, they don't have to feed on CDs, they don't have to sit under a ministry. They want to go home to have church, and that's going to mature them. But Paul said very clearly that we henceforth be no more children. Who helps us do that? Be no more children. The fivefold ministry gifts. Paul listed the fivefold, the famous fivefold ministry offices prior to this verse. He states that the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are given to perfect and mature these saints. Without the influence and in ministry of the fivefold ministers in a believer's life, uh, it will be impossible for a Christian to ever fully mature. These verses, uh, the, this verse gives us several be more behavioral traits of childish Christians. In fact, the Greek even says that we be no more childish. So how do childlike or childish Christians act? Little children, number four, are tossed to and fro. Uh, the enemy easily ransacks them because they have yet to fully develop a deep foundation of faith. As a Christian, 
the most critical thing you could probably do is develop a doctrinal foundation and never be moved from it. Always be open to having it tweaked and expanded and deepened, but don't let some professor pull you off your foundation. Don't let some new girlfriend or guy friend pull you off your foundation. Believe what you believe and stand on it. And if somebody wants to move you off of it, require about 30 scriptures. <laughs> don't argue with anybody outside the Bible. Don't buy into the evolution junk. Don't buy into the psychology junk. Don't buy into what is American culture and who are you to judge. Have a foundation. Little children lack a foundation. Just think about parents with little children. They're still little children, and mom and dad have to do about 80% for them. Still have to pick out what they eat. Still have to pick out what they watch. Still have to pick out uh, how they can and can't use words. Little children still have to have their vocabulary tweaked because they're little children. So we see here little children are tossed to and fro. I believe in tongues today. I'm not so sure tomorrow. Ah, healing is for me. I am not so sure. God wants to save everybody. Well, I just heard about a doctrine called predestination. That's a little child. Tossed to and fro. To and fro. Point number five, little children chase winds of doctrine and cannot discern truth from perversion because they lack strong doctrine. Once again, we've got to build doctrine. That's why around here we emphasize reading your Bible so much, studying your Bible. Timothy, Timothy, and Titus, the three pastoral epistles, talk about doctrine more than any other of the epistles because those men were pastors and the emphasis to help build the local church was doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. And it's very critical that we have strong doctrine. Doctrine is defined as a system of teaching you live by, your life by. Uh, it doesn't matter, but the Greek word is didache or didact. Uh, that's the Greek word for doctrine, and it's a system of teachings that you live your life by. Everybody has doctrine. The atheist homosexual has doctrine. The Muslim has doctrine. The evolutionist has doctrine. That's a system of teaching they live their life by. Our doctrine is to be built on the Word of God. It's to be constructed from the Holy Scriptures. Little children are still building this. And we always will be adding to it, but that's the big thing that we help, that we do to help our Christian growth. Little children easily leave their foundation for new and shiny things. Not right things, just newer things. Ooh, look at that style of worship. Ooh, look at that new teaching. Ooh, look at that new church. Even in, our, in every community, ours included, you have what are called trendy churches. And it's the going church. Ten years ago in this community, it was one church. Uh, then about six years ago, it was another church. And now we have another new church. And you can see the childlike Christian behavior because they'll leave that church to run to this church till the newness wears off, then they'll run to that church. And some of them, you can't even ask them what they believe. They're just chasing the new shiny thing. That's childlike behavior. And unfortunately, it kind of speaks to those pastors' ability or inability to mature the saints. Now, they, ultimately, the pastor can't, uh, can't control people, and he can't make anybody grow up. But you do see a herd mentality of little children running from, that's the hip church, now this is the hip church, and now the newness is wore off, oh, that church is getting bigger, let's run to that church and swell its numbers. That's immature Christianity. Uh, one of my great pastors told me one time, he said, a sign of an unhealthy church is high turnover. A sign of an unhealthy church is high turnover. A sign of a healthy church is when you have a core group that has been there for years and years and years and years and years. That's a church where God is doing something.
And uh, that, that's always going to be a case in a good, strong church. You have those that are called there that put down roots, and they can't be pulled up easily. Remember, one of the terms for a baby Christian is newly planted. A newly planted tree is easily pulled up. You can't go grab an oak and pull it up. You, you can't even blow up an oak tree. You just got to cut it down and cut it down and then pour some root be rot and uh, rot the thing away. But a newly planted one, you can just pluck them up and pluck them up. And that's why they never bear any fruit because they never stay anywhere long enough to put down roots and grow. So little children, they leave their foundation for new and shiny things. We could say new and shiny churches, not right things, just newer things. Little children are easily carried away by deceivers and their cunning craftiness. So these are all just characteristics or traits of little children. Are you, we could ask ourselves, are we tossed to and fro easily? Do we chase new doctrine? Christian television is really good for indicating who's a little child. Anybody that lives off of Christian television is probably a little child still because they're always chasing the new winds of doctrines. I know a dear woman, she was actually very critical in getting me spirit-filled. But my God, that woman has been stuck in a little child stage since I was a teenager. And she's always feeding off Christian television, and every time I see her, she's got some new thing. She, she's born again spirit-filled, helped get me spirit-filled. Five years after I got spirit-filled, she was a Seventh-day Adventist because she was listening to the Seventh-day Adventist preacher on television. I, Chris, what do you think about keeping the Sabbath? I said, I don't keep the Sabbath. I go to church on Sunday and eat what I want. Well, but the Word says, well, come on, ma'am. But, but it's so convincing. Yeah, because it's the law. Because, look, what about Paul? Paul undermined it in three verses. Let no man judge you in respect for holiday. And let no man judge you in respect what you eat. There you go. That's all you need to do. Go to church when you want to. Eat what you want to. The Bible says so. Why chase this? Well, she's not a Seventh-day Adventist anymore. She's over here chasing something else now. And in between there, she was chasing something else. That's a little child. Her life is defined by zigzagging every, all over the map. And there might be elements of truth in all those things, but she has never grown forward. She always grows every other way. That's a little child. That's what it means to be tossed to and fro with winds of doctrine. Well, I think I'll go over here and give this a chance. Well, I think I'll go over here and see what this new thing is. Well, they got this new kind of evangelistic seminar. Well, there's this new way to win people to Jesus. Well, there's this new way to worship. And we're just chasing people all over the county and all over the country for conferences. That's little children. No roots. Just tossed like a tumbleweed. Let's look at our next verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought or reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Boy, that's a good verse. The Bible clearly teaches us we must grow up. Paul said, look, when I was a child, I did things like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. We could say, when I became a woman, I put away childish things. Grown-ups have one manner about them, while little children have another manner about them. We all know that. When we get around kids, we change how we talk so kids can understand us. And we explain things. And the younger the child, the more dumb we sound. Hey, no, now you turn around and talk to an adult that way, they'll cast the devil out of you or put you in a mental institution. Or say, he's got a speech impediment. The quickest way to grow up is to put away childish things. We're giving you, I think, about 10 or 11 childish things. The quicker you put those childish things away from you, the quicker you can grow up. This verse lists three areas that will distinguish a child from an adult. Number one, or we could say point seven, little children speak different than mature Christians. 
Mature saints confess the word. They have clean speech free from vulgarities and dirty jesting. Little children whine, complain, and hurt their lives with their mouth. Sometimes you must wash a little child's mouth out with fuller soap. Now, fuller soap is a King James term, talking about the Lord, His word is righteous and true, and it will wash you whiter than a fuller soap. A fuller is just a fancy word for a dry cleaner or someone who did laundry. Fuller soap was basically like lye, if you understand what lye is. Go country folks. That's a strong base, basically bleach. We might understand it as bleach. Um, when Jesus appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, it says that his raiment was whiter than any fuller could make it. That's talking about someone who's cleaning things, basically, we'd say with bleach. And so I just kind of use that play on words there. Sometimes you've got to take a little baby, a little child, and wash their mouth out with fuller soap, the Word of God. And little children the same way. I had my mouth washed out once for calling my brother an idiotic something. <laughs> and it wasn't as bad as you think it was. In fact, it's a common word, but I won't use it in the pulpit. An idiotic something, and my dad got so mad, uh, I remember he took me up to the bathroom, and he, it's the first and only time I've ever had my mouth washed out with soap. And I never used that word again. I found other dirty words to use. <laughs> uh, but little children, they speak differently. That's what Paul said. When I was a child, I spake as a child. Around here, you see that we have to tell our children, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, no, sir. Uh, what are you doing? Nothing. No, no, excuse me? No, sir, I'm not doing anything. Did you have fun? Yeah. Yes, what? Yes, sir. You have to teach children how to speak. That's an indication of immature Christianity. You're still learning how to properly speak kingdom speech. You're still learning how to not whine, not complain. Even with our little daughter, we say, no, ma'am, we do not fuss. This is not worth fussing over. Because I'm not going to have a whiner in my house. I don't tolerate it. Not in my church, not in my house. Little children whine. Point eight, little children lack the spiritual understanding of a mature child. Paul said, I understood as a child. Sometimes, excuse me, little children see a rebuke as mean. That's a lack of understanding. Uh, they see tithing as a burden. That's immature understanding. They are still carnally minded in areas. They have not yet learned to discern things spiritually. Or they have not le yet learned to understand things or discern things or investigate things spiritually with the Word of God in their mind. Little children, they just understand differently. You can't explain to a five-year-old about the birds and the beasts. They, they have an immature understanding. And you can't explain to a baby Christian what it means to cast devils out. You'll scare them. You can't explain to a baby Christian what it means to be born again fully. They, they don't understand all this stuff. Uh, there, there's things we teach and then we don't teach for different classes around here because of the understanding level. You can't teach a 10-year-old matrix algebra. They're still working on arithmetic. And so we understand that. And that, that, that's not a slight for anybody. We just see it from the word, little children understand things differently. There's certain things about ministry I'll never talk with the majority of the church about because it's beyond them. They don't need to know about it. But I might pull the ministers aside and teach them things. Things that if I were to talk about, it might confuse everybody else, and it's just no big deal. Point nine, little children are immature in their reasoning. So you have speaking, understanding, and reasoning. The thought process of a spiritual child lacks wisdom, truth, stability, and consistency. Everybody has a reason for why they do what they do. And a little child, their reasoning makes no sense. Why'd you skip church? Well, the football game was on. That makes no sense. There's no reason. There's, there's immature reasoning there. Why did you not tithe? Well, I felt like buying a jacket. That, that makes no sense. 
A mature Christian says that there's no wisdom there. There's no sound reasoning there. Why did you stick the knife in the electrical socket? Because it made sparks. That's dangerous. It makes no sense. Why did you microwave the fork? Well, because last time I did it, it sparked and popped. That's dangerous, honey. You can't do that. Oh, how come? Well, then you've got to try to explain to them how microwaves, not the oven, but the actual production of a microwave, heats up the metal to cause it to combust and, and uh, spontaneously produce electricity. You can't explain that to a five-year-old. It's over their head. And just like the reasoning for it. You just pop their hand and say, you do it again and we'll whip your butt. That's the level they understand and reason at. They don't have to understand the physics of microwaves. They just have to know if I put that in there, my butt hurts. <laughs> That's the reasoning of a little child. So they don't do it anymore. They don't understand why because you can't reason with them yet. They just have to know it hurts when I do it, so I don't do it. When they get a little bit older, you can explain the physics behind it. To mature in Christ, you must put away these three things, childish speech, childish understanding, and childish reasoning. Until you do so, you will not advance much in Jesus. I say much. I don't say it all, but just not much. Next verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. So there's a commandment to mature in our understanding. This verse only reiterates the previous point. Children understand things differently. We know that. The level and complexity at which they understand things is fine and acceptable so long as they're in a child development stage. However, if a 40-year-old man still requires a puppet show to learn, something's very wrong. <laughs> we know in children's church they love puppets, and they can tell you all about Jonah in the well from a puppet show. But if you were to read them the story of Jonah in the well, they wouldn't get much out of it because of their understanding level. In big people church, we read the story of Jonah and the well and we preach from it and you understand it and get it. If I were to bring up puppets, you'd be insulted. And you'd say, what is going on here? This is stupid. This is immature. This is beneath us. Well, it's okay to have puppets when you're 5 to 12 years old. And even the 10, 11, 12 year olds in children's church are kind of going, come on, this is cheesy. But you still do it for the 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 year old. Same way with us spiritually. It's okay if I have to teach spirit, soul, and body for a couple weeks for the new believers who have never heard this kind of teaching before. But if after five years you can't get up and teach that, something's wrong with you. Because you ought to know enough about spirit, soul, and body after five years of walking it out to be able to disciple somebody you just won for Jesus on campus or on the, at the co-op and explain, hey, you're a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. Uh, our understanding is to progress. Uh, the Hebrew believers were rebuked for not being mature enough to learn about Melchizedek. So that's an example. Their understanding had not developed enough to get any deep teaching on Melchizedek. And Paul rebuked them for it. We are commanded to grow up in our understanding. And so things that might be over your head today, hopefully a year from now, you can catch them. And it doesn't, it doesn't bother me or make me nervous that there are things I teach every service that are over some people's heads and underneath some people's heads. But we have to teach for everybody from the second grader in Christ to the Ph.D. in Christ. But you get what you need to, uh, just like you go to a buffet. You don't eat everything on the buffet, but you get what you need to out of the buffet. Let's look at our next verse, 1 John 3.20. My little children, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, 
and knows all things. We saw in the previous lesson that babes in Christ really struggle with condemnation. Even into little child stage, the believer is still dealing with this issue. So, just as it makes sense, even little children sometimes still wet the bed, they still uh, poop their pants. That, that, that's left over from baby stage. We can expect certain things as we develop in Christ to be left over from baby stage and carried over into little child stage. And even from little child stage carried over into young adult or young man stage, we can expect certain things to be carried over. One of the things we see left over from baby stage is this condemnation. And here we see from John's writing that little children still deal with condemnation. That's probably one of the best litmus tests to see where you're at. Do you still deal with condemnation? If you do, that's one of the biggest characteristics of a little child in Christ. We're not saying that to put anybody down. We're not trying to heap condemnation on you because of condemnation. We're just pointing it out. Just like a 30-year-old man does not wet the bed anymore, if he does, something's wrong. We, when you get to be a young man in Christ, you have this strong faith that even though you know you miss it, and even though you know you have shortcomings, your faith is greater in the forgiving power of Jesus than in your flesh's ability to keep messing up. Little children just haven't developed their faith strong enough yet in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. You can get to a place in Jesus where you're convicted over your sin, but you're never condemned over it. You're convicted and you say, Lord, forgive me. That was so stupid. I know better than that. Come on now, son. Father, forgive me. Let's go witness. And you just brush it off and go on. And your mind will want to belch it back up, but you say, shut up, mind. We did the Word. Have you not learned by now, after all these years, how we do the Word and we go on? God's not reminding me of this. It's just you, mind. Shut up. And you move on. This lets us know that one of the signs of deep maturity as a believer is the ability to overcome condemnation while embracing and obeying conviction. I get convicted all the time. It's been a long time since I've been condemned, though. It's been a long time. The other thing we might throw out, if you're given over to condemnation now, you'll be easily manipulated by people. If you're given over to condemnation now, somebody will be able to easily come along and put a guilt trip on you because they make you feel bad. And you're already predisposed to feeling bad. I, I always let God down. I don't want to let you down. And you just got suckered or bamboozled or horn horn wrestled into doing something you didn't want to do. I've told several people before, I said, I'm sorry, uh, are you a travel agent? No, why? I said, well, because you're trying to put me on a guilt trip and I ain't going. I said, no, I'm not doing it. You're not not bamboozling me. You're not manipulating me. You're not going to guilt me into doing something. But folks, I find that folks that are given over to condemnation are also very easily manipulated. If you can beat one, the other will fall right behind it. I don't, I don't feel bad. I, I feel convicted when I sin and I repent, but I'm not going to sulk over it for a day or two. I'm going to lick my wound for about five minutes. Lord, forgive me. Shut up, head. Father, forgive me. Let's just get in the Word, wash ourselves, and go on. But at the same time, I'm not going to let you make me feel bad for not helping you. And for that reason, it's easy for me to say no to people, especially when I don't know them. I'm sorry we don't have any money for you. I'm sorry we're not going to... I'm sorry you can leave my church if you want to. You're not bothering me a bit. Because you, you, you just get free from feeling bad all the time. Little children, we might add, their, their, their emotions are very raw and, and very tossed to and fro, and they're very easily controlled by them. 
Point 10, little children still deal with a condemning heart. A little child's heart is still learning to believe that they are forgiven. The greatest and most important thing you should know and believe is the love and forgiveness of God. That's the elementary level of Christianity, that we're forgiven because Jesus loves us. And though we preach that with great boldness and fervency, we don't always believe it as fervently as we tell people about it. So that's one of the things we've got to develop. I know I'm forgiven because God loves me. I know I didn't please Him. I know I'm wrong. I know my hands are dirty, but I know He'll forgive me and cleanse me, and I can go on just as if I never sinned. Father, I believe it by faith. Let's go on. And unless you want to talk about it, Lord, I don't want to talk about it. Are you talking about it? You're not. Good. Let's go on. I've, I've done my part. You did your part. Let's just act like it never happened because it's under the blood. And if I have to clean up a mess, I will, but I don't want to talk about it unless you want to talk about it. 1 John 5.21, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Uh, this is the last verse of 1 John. It, it beautifully sums up what makes a child a child. Immature and misplaced affections. That is what makes a child a child. Immature and misplaced affections. Little children love one thing today and something else tomorrow. They love Jesus while at church and they love the world while they are in, in it. A little child must learn to be faithful to Jesus all the time in every place and in every scenario. Idolatry is spiritual adultery. When you leave Jesus to go chase a career or chase a girl or chase something he told you not to, that's spiritual adultery. Revelation calls it leaving your first love. James calls it spiritual adultery. You adulterous generation. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? So point 11, little children struggle with idolatry. They love things they shouldn't. Friends, uh, hobbies, TV programs, music. They chase things they shouldn't. And they have yet to learn the gravity of a life committed to Jesus Christ. Next section, 12 things little children forget. We're going to run through this pretty quickly. Even the natural little children are very forgetful and must be reminded of many things. This is because they have not practiced them enough to make them a part of their life. You think about a little child, uh, did you brush your hair? N uh, forgot. Did you brush your teeth? Forgot. Why are you wearing different colored socks? I don't know. What did you do with the G.I. Joe? He's in my pocket. You're not wearing any pants. Um, he's in the pocket of the pants I wore yesterday. They, they just forget. Did you make up your bed? Was I supposed to? Did you take out the trash? I didn't know I was supposed to. These are, that's little children thing. Did you pray today? Am I supposed to? Did you go witnessing like you committed to? I forgot. Did you pay your tithe this week? I forgot. That's childish. Did you come to church? I forgot. Did you keep your promise to your helps department? I forgot. That's childish. Little children forget things because they have not practiced them enough to make them a part of their life. Nowadays, does anybody remind you to brush your teeth? No. Comb your hair? Put your shoes on the right feet? Little children will put their shoes on the wrong feet. They just don't know. Little kids will put pants on backwards. D does anybody have to tell you um, your pants are on backwards? You're smarter. You you've developed. Uh, mom and dad must constantly remind them and remind them and even pick up the pieces behind them. Christians also go through this stage in their spiritual development. According to 1 John, there are many things a little child must be reminded. So 1 John 2.1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So 
First thing you have to be reminding a little child to do is don't sin. Mature saints don't have to be reminded, don't sin. A mature saint doesn't have to be reminded, don't watch pornography. Don't go clubbing. Hey, you shouldn't drink that beer. Hey, you shouldn't be cussing. Mature, mature saints don't have to be reminded of that. But an immature, childlike one has to be reminded, don't sin. Little children are often tempted by the cookie jar. Point two, uh, you must remember Jesus is our advocate. That means defense lawyer. Little children have yet to fully grasp the truths of having an advocate pleading their case. That goes back to the condemnation. Little children must be reminded, hey, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's defending you. He's pleading your case. You don't have to beat yourself up. He's defending you. Little children must be reminded of that. 1 John 2.12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His namesake. So the other thing little children have to be reminded of, point three, is remember your sins are forgiven. Little children are good at magnifying the wrong they have done over the sacrifice that Jesus made. Now, the reason we can take these points out of 1 John is because 1 John, he addresses three believers, three groups, little children, young men, and fathers. And so here he says little children, and then he tells them. Then he'll go on to say young men, and then he'll address them. So we know these are things that he has to remind little children of, though they've already learned them. They just have to be reminded of them. So little children have to be reminded, you are forgiven. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that. Uh, next verse, 1 John 2:18. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there Antichrist, whereby we know that it is the last time. So point four is little children need to be reminded that it is the last time. Little children forget the time we live in. They just want to live like every day's Disney World. Uh, honestly, you think about little children at home, they don't know that there's an economy. They don't know who President Obama is. They don't understand Islamic terrorism. They live carefree. And many Christians in the body of Christ live carefree. But as you grow up, as you become an adult, you start to worry about, not say worry, but you're mindful of the economy. You're mindful of interest rates. You're mindful of gas prices. Little children have to be reminded of that. Little children have to be taught, I can't buy you the $190 aircraft carrier for G.I. Joe. Why not? Well, because we don't have the money for it right now. Why not? Because of the economy. What's wrong? Well, prices have gone up and our taxes have gone up. Oh. So what does that mean? That means I can't buy you the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Why not? <laughs> Little children have to be reminded of the times we live in. Point five. Uh, Little children must remember that there are antichrists. That's not the big bad wolf. This thing's for real. Little children are bad to trust everyone. And nowadays they, have, they say stranger danger. You have to teach children you can't trust everyone. Little children are bad about trusting everyone. And little children in Christ are bad about believing every preacher on Christian television and every preacher who pastors a church. Little children are bad about that. They're gullible. And so you have to remind us, as John said, little children, there are antichrists. That means they're, anti they're against Jesus and against the church. Little children are bad to trust everyone. 1 John 2.28, And now little children abide in Him that when we shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Point six is remember to abide in Him. Little children have to be reminded to have a walk with Jesus. That kind of really upsets me as a pastor because that's kind of what I've preached for three years now is pray, 
read your Bible and go to church. I've had to remind our church for three years to abide in Jesus. So what does that say about our church? That maybe we're not as mature as we fancied ourselves. Maybe as a whole, if Jesus were to look at engrafted word church, we would be a little child church. Because I've had to generally preach to everyone, abide in Him. Don't stop praying. Don't stop reading the Word. Don't stop witnessing. Abide in Him. Little children have short attention spans and so sometimes depart from Jesus to chase something new. Ooh, I'm going to stay at home. Ooh, I'm going to take my tithe and spin it on Xbox or whatever. Ooh, I'd rather read a book than read the Bible. Ooh, I'd rather play a video game than pray. I, 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 I'm so busy, I can't pray. And then the phone rings. Hey, you want to go catch a movie? Sure. And drop everything for a movie and drop God for everything. 1 John 3, 7, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous even as Jesus is righteous. Remember, people want to deceive you and talk you into sin. Little children must be encouraged to keep doing righteousness. A mature saint, you don't have to tell them to do righteousness. It's what they do. It's who they are. A little child, you have to keep teaching them. Now, is that the right thing to do? No, sir. Is that the wrong thing? Yes, sir. Then why did you do wrong? I don't know. Little, sir, <laughs> little children have to be reminded that people want to deceive you and talk you into wickedness. 1 John 3, 18 and 19, Little children, let, let, us love, uh, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him, or to induce one to believe by using words. Point eight, remember, little children have to be reminded that love is an action, not a word. Talk is cheap. Little children have to be taught how to act. Little children must continue to be taught how to properly love. Right now we're teaching Lydia gentle. She likes to grab things violently. So we're teaching her gentle, gentle. We have to teach her how to properly love. She gets all excited and she just goes to jackrabbit stage. And we have to teach her constantly gentle, gentle. Remember to speak, point nine, remember to speak to your heart when it wants to doubt. Little children have to be reminded to speak to their heart. Speak to their heart. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. Hereby shall we assure and induce our heart to believe with words. Little children have a heart that fails relatively easily. So that's an indicator of a little child. 1 John 4, 4, last verse. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Point 10, remember you are of God, not the world. Little children have to remind, be reminded where they're from. Always growing up, my dad would always say, or, and you've heard other parents say, now you remember, you're a McMichael. You remember how I taught you. You have your best behavior when you go to your friend's house. If I get any complaints, you're getting a spanking when you come home. Yes, Dad. And of course, back then when we were growing up, the parent, whoever we were going to, they had the right to beat us however they wanted to. And they were right, and we were always wrong. Uh, there was no, you couldn't go home and tell on the, your friend's parents. If you got whipped, you deserved it, because friend's parents don't whip unless they have to, so you must have really earned it. Nowadays, we don't hardly believe in spanking anymore, so we just don't invite them over to our house. It ruins things. Children have to be reminded who they're from. You're a Vincent. Uh, you're, you're, you're not a heathen. You're a child of God. You're not a pagan. Some of my youth, when I was a youth leader, there were four boys, and we called them the Lemon Boys. Their last name was Lemon. 
And uh, they, they, they had a famous grandfather, Metalark Lemon, who was a famous basketball player. And, but these boys were very competitive, and Mikey was the youngest. And we, uh, we took him bowling one time, and Mikey gutterballed it. And he, I guess he had, I don't know, maybe third or fourth gutterball. They were so ashamed. All the other older boys stood up and they said, what's your name? What's your name? And Mikey dropped his head. He said, Apple. They said, that's right, because you're no lemon. <laughs> they just dogged him. They said, you, you're not one of us, man. Lemons don't bowl that bad. You're no lemon. You're an apple. <laughs> I got so tickled. He knew exactly what to say. I'm an apple. That's right, because you're no lemon. You shamed us. Little children have to be reminded, you're a lemon. You're a child of God. You're a Christian, so act like it. Point 11, uh, remember you have overcome the world and its evil spirits. Little children don't realize the authority they walk in and forget that they are an overcomer. If you have ever ha given in, not fought, but given in to discouragement and depression, you forgot you were an overcomer. Little children have to be reminded, you can do it. I believe in you. You've got the victory. Take a deep breath. God's not failed you. He's not given up on you. But little children, they, they fall apart easily. Even little Lydia, we walk out of the room and she's just a touch fussy. She starts crying because we walked out of the room. You're okay, sweetie. We're just in the other room. Suck it up. And she has to be reminded. Then she smiles. She turns it off instantly and starts smiling. When she sees us, we put our head out of the way. She starts crying again. Come on. Be a McMichael. We're better than this. <laughs> little children don't realize the authority they walk in and forget that they are an overcomer, so they have to be reminded all the time. Point 12, remember the greater one lives in you. Little children don't fully understand the God who lives on the inside of them, so they have to be reminded. The only little child characteristic the New Testament allows us to maintain is childlike malice. We read that in 1 Corinthians 14:20. The Greek word here for malice means ill will, wickedness, or evil. And 1 Corinthians 14, 20 says, How be it in malice be ye children. That's the only childlike characteristic we're permitted, according to the epistles, to maintain. There's only one baby-like characteristic we're allowed to maintain, and that is, as newborn babes lust after the sincere milk of the Word. So we see that from each stage, we're allowed to keep one trait. Baby-like hunger for the Word and childlike malice. Now what that basically says is you have none. Children are not malicious. Children don't have any malicious evil. They do wrong, but it's not produced in their heart and plotted. The only childlike characteristic we can keep is childlike malice. Children just love everything. They're willing to trust everything. They're willing, willing really to love on anybody. They're, they're, they're willing to reach out to anybody. And that's why we have to teach them to be suspicious. We have to teach them to be careful. We have to teach them to not talk to strangers, because otherwise they just talk to everything. Just like a baby will put anything in their mouth, a child will talk to any stranger. And even, even you'll say, boy, that kid doesn't know any strangers, does he? Never met a stranger. We've heard that expression. Children are innocent and nearly devoid of ill will and maliciousness. We must be like that. We conclude by saying, don't stay a child any longer than necessary. Amen.